0: Welcome to the 1110 Leadership Podcast, where we tackle issues at the intersection of leadership, faith, and culture. I'm your host, Rob Shields, Vice President of Strategy in 1110 Leadership, and I'm joined by my co-host, founder and CEO of 1110 Leadership, David Spickard. Proverbs 1110 lays out a bold and countercultural vision. When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. We're here to ask, what does it look like practically to be this type of leader? Leaders willing to invest everything they have so that everyone around them can thrive. Join us on the journey as we lean in, listen, and learn how to become Proverbs 11.10 kind of leaders. The kind of leaders that make our cities rejoice. Okay, David, here we are. Episode 7.
1: Wow, that was quick. It
0: did go by really fast. You know, I know these episodes are on the shorter side. Feels like we are packing a ton of content into a short amount of time.
1: We are. And I hope we're giving teasers for deeper conversations on each topic.
0: I think there's a lot of different threads. There's a lot there. there. I would say that there's probably not the kind of podcast where you want to listen to on double speed. If anything, slow it down, maybe half speed where our voices get really low, right?
1: That'll put people to sleep,
0: Rob. It'd be a little too, but yeah, you're right. Maybe 0.75. Okay, so we are in the final letter of our THRIVE acronym as we wrap up this THRIVE podcast series. And we're here to talk about engagement. So hopefully by now people know that this is the end of the acronym and there's a lot of great content we've already covered. Don't necessarily have to go in order, but I think these episodes do, I think, build on each other in neat ways. So we encourage you if you're just finding the series. Maybe start at the beginning and build your way up. David, we define engagement when we work with our leaders and clients as the level at which people are using their gifts, owning their work, and having opportunities to grow. So that kind of has a framing definition for this conversation. Gallup defines employee engagement as the involvement and enthusiasm of employees in both their work and workplace. So, David, we're a post-pandemic world now. And it feels a little like the wild, wild west at times when it comes to tracking employee engagement. You know, the old playbook has been thrown out, new normal is emerging and the way people work. And there's a lot of pros and cons as this new culture is kind of settling in. But the stat here that only 21% of those in remote ready jobs, you know, jobs that can be remote, only 21% of those folks are working fully on site. So a lot of people are opting. 53% actually of employees are embracing some form of hybrid work arrangement. And then 26% are fully remote, which is just a huge difference from five years ago. It's a whole new ballgame. So I know that's a lot, but can you just react to that and give us a little bit, paint a picture of the state of employee engagement these days because it feels like this is a much different conversation than it would have been if we were having this in 2019.
1: This is a huge question for the leaders that we're working with and the companies and the decisions that they're making related to remote work in particular as a result of COVID and the normalcy that's come from that. How much do you require people to be in the office? How much flexibility do you give them to being remote and people have A lot greater expectation for flexibility and remote work these days and are choosing companies based on the kind of policies that they have to provide that flexibility. And so in order to offer that in a reasonable way and then create engagement has become, again, another challenge that many of us were not prepared for. Gallup is showing that in 2022, only 32% of U.S. employees are engaged in their work. And they even just came out with a new study that's looking at this idea of quietly quitting, where they say that 23% of employees are thriving at work, whereas 59% are quietly quitting. They're not engaged and they're just sort of under the radar just going through the motions and then the rest 18% are loudly quitting they're actively disengaged and you know they're, letting, they're, you know. they're letting you know they're, they're letting you know that they're they're on the way out and leaders uh executive teams CEOs are living this every day trying to figure out how to reduce turnover figuring out what they can offer to their employees to make them stay you know, when we talk about engagement, and honestly, every, every letter that we've talked about in the Thrive acronym ultimately is intended to lead to greater engagement. If we do all these things up to this point, trust, health, relationships, impact, value, the hope is that you're going to increase engagement and that people are coming to work loving their work. They feel like they're in their sweet spot. They're able to do what they do well. They're able to grow in their jobs, things like that, that will enable them to stay. But that's the state we're in. And it's much more of a challenge than it's been before. And leaders have to pay attention to this. And if you haven't received anything (laughs) from our series except this one thing, I think the, the big idea here is we just have to pay attention to our people. We get so caught up in our work and getting things done, and we feel like the people side is sort of extra or a burden. But as leaders, we have to come really focused on how we're paying attention to them to make sure they're going to stay engaged in our workplace.
0: Yeah, that's good. And I think if leaders are not paying attention, Hopefully those stats help wake, wake them up a little bit because they're pretty alarming. I mean, 77% are doing some form of quitting and only 23% are thriving in work at work and kind of fully engaged. So David, what do leaders need to do to ensure their employees are a part of that 23%? Cause like you said, it doesn't just happen. So what steps would you recommend?
1: So we quote Gallup a lot. They're just the experts as they think about employees, work uh, culture, and engagement. Jim Clifton, the CEO of Gallup, wrote a book called The Coming Jobs War. And in it, he talks about how Gallup created this extraordinary project called the World Poll, where they... Attempt or attempting over the next 100 years to try to figure out what the whole world is thinking. So, this is a, a poll that they're doing, started in 2006. And six years into the poll in 2012, they already discovered what the whole world wants. So, their intent was to figure out what the whole world four years ahead of schedule. Is that well, what you're saying? Well, here's the point they were trying to figure out what the whole world is thinking, but in the process of doing this, they figured out what the whole world wants. You have any idea, Rob, what that is?
0: I'm a parent of four young kids, so more sleep. That's what <laughs> the survey says. Maybe it's just part of my season of life.
1: Yes. Well, I hope you can get more sleep, but that is not the answer to the question. People think happiness, joy, safety, security, things like that. But no, they found out that the whole world wants a good job, that everyone in the world, no matter where you are, wants a good job. And so it's important for leaders to understand, again, how work animates the way we think about who we are and what we're about, and that we truly want to be engaged. And there are things that leaders can do to help people stay engaged at work and again there are tons of studies there's a group that looks at well if everybody wants a good job then what is a good job and so the good job there's a, there's an institute called the good jobs institute and they look at two big ideas to help people have a good job one is work that meets higher needs Things like meaningfulness, personal growth, belonging, achievement, and recognition, things that we've talked about in previous episodes. And then they have another category, which is work that meets basic needs. So it has good pay and benefits, a good schedule, allows people to have balance, it offers a career path, and provides security and safety. And so those are qualities. If you're looking at the jobs that you're offering for your employees, do those jobs have those qualities? There's also another study called the Job Characteristics Theory that looks at what makes employees engaged at work. And they have found that there, no matter what job someone has, there are five qualities that if that job has those five qualities, that employee is more likely to stay engaged. The first one is skills variety. So it's a, they have a variety of opportunities to use their skills. It's not just one thing over and over again. Task identity is number two, where they know exactly what their task is and what it's accomplishing. It's very clear. Task significance is number three. Uh, do they feel like their task, again, has impact? Fourth is task autonomy, so they feel like they have ownership of their role and they're not micromanaged. They have some element of decision-making that allows them to to figure out how to do their job well. And then fifth is job feedback. Their leaders provide them feedback and there's some interaction where they understand whether they're doing well or not and they're not living in a vacuum within their job, not knowing whether they are accomplishing what they need to accomplish. So those are some technical things that leaders can do to ensure that the jobs that they're offering have the kinds of qualities that will enable people to be engaged.
0: Man, that's super practical and helpful, right? I mean, we are, in this series, we have, we have gone really big picture. We kind of, gone And dug down into the roots. I'm mixing a lot of metaphors here, but I, I do feel like that list is really empowering because it, it's so practical and it, it gives a such a clear roadmap to being able to to look in the mirror as leaders and say, "How am I doing in these areas? In the culture that I'm I'm helping to shape, am I am I doing this for for those that I lead?" So, David, let's camp out there on the feedback piece because that's huge. That's as we land the plane on this series, the job feedback piece is vital. And I know that we have seen that in our work. And so as we think about asking this question, what's the best thing that a leader can do when it comes to really moving the needle around driving up engagement for their work cultures? Where would you say that their focus should really be practically moving
1: forward from here? Yeah. So what we've done so far is given just some perspective on what a leader can do in terms of creating job qualities that enable there are people to be engaged. Typically, a leader, when they see their employees being disengaged, it's easy for us just to blame our employees. And honestly, what we found as the best way for leaders to increase engagement is turn the spotlight back on them. That usually disengagement related to their employees is not an employee problem. It's a leader problem. It's an mm-hmm. employer problem. And so what we would recommend and what we've seen be powerful for leaders and companies to increase their engagement is to go through an assessment process so that they can really understand what's going on within their culture that everybody knows. Everybody knows what's going on in a, in a workplace culture, but typically people aren't talking about it. And you need something to elevate what's going on below the surface, particularly with the impact of a leader's leadership in order to get after the things that can increase engagement. And so it's imperative for a leader to be willing to receive feedback. So, you know, the quality we just articulated around job feedback was the leader giving feedback to the employee about their job. But what we're saying is, need to reverse that. We need to create an environment where the leader is open to receiving f- feedback on his or her leadership so that we can get after the things that the company needs to address to increase engagement. There are a lot of assessments that you can do. We do a Thrive assessment, as you might imagine, given the theme of our series and how we walk through these Thrive categories. And we found just going through the process of doing the assessment is just as powerful as the outcome, as the scores that come from uh, the results that we do. Because just having a leader being willing to be vulnerable and have that feedback be presented to them in an environment where we can have open conversations, man, it's like taking the air out of the balloon. People who are walking on eggshells before no longer walking on eggshells. You need you just eliminate so much of tension that often is in a workplace environment and we can begin to, to really get after the things that need to be addressed.
0: Yeah, that's powerful. And I know we, we both experienced that firsthand when, when a leader goes first to model the vulnerability that you're talking about and go, going under the spotlight, it can feel like going under the knife. Of how, how vulnerable it feels to say, Oh, well, I'm going to be in this room and we're going to put my scores up on this slideshow and we're going to talk about it. What, what am I doing well? What am I not doing well? But it sets such a great tone for driving engagement up and creating a culture of psychological safety within a company to say, Hey, I'm willing to do this. I'm not going to ask you to do anything that I'm not willing to do. And it's okay to not be perfect in every area because I'm not. And so you don't have to have that fear when you're coming to work either, which it just, To see the ripple effect, I agree. It's almost like when we do our work, we want to do the assessment, we want to present the assessment. It's almost like you want to go back and do it right away all over again and watch how the score goes up.
1: You're absolutely (laughs) right. I mean, most disengaged employee, not at all, but most, are quietly thinking about something in their head about what they're going through and that they wish they could say. Hmm. But there's no context or no place for them to say it in a way that's honest and straightforward. And so when you create a safe way to do that, they can share that feedback anonymously or how we do it. And then there's receptiveness from the leader. And then we have the opportunity to share that feedback so it doesn't go into a black hole where the employee doesn't know where their feedback went. But we come back to them and say, here's what came out of this assessment. And here's the leader sitting here listening to the things that they do well and then the things that they need to improve in. And we're having these honest conversations and the leader is fine to have that kind of feedback and to see how we're going to move forward. Again, that's why the process is just as powerful as the outcome because employees now feel like they have that safe space. They've gotten the opportunity to share what's been on their mind that's been bothering them. And it's not a guarantee that things are going to change, but it sure does move the ball down the field in ways that are hopeful so that people feel like, you know, they may want to stick it out and see, see how this, how this works out.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, I, we've just seen it time and time again, be a game changer. It's why this is the, this is the front door of our work, right? At eleven ten leadership is always what we encourage when, when folks want to engage at different levels. You know, we can come in through the window. We can come in through the screen imports, but this is the front door because it really sets the tone for knowing what levers to pull within a company to make sure that you're targeted and you're focused on the right things because you're just seeing the whole playing field. You're seeing with clarity what we actually need to work on. And that starts with the health of the leader. And I love that what you communicate, David, because you know, we're this can be an intimidating ask for a leader to do. And depending on whether they've done it before, this may be, you know, something they're they're really uncomfortable with. But I love that you, you know, say this verbatim, but essentially when it comes to getting a number across each of these six categories, then I think what what we communicate to our leaders is that there's not a wrong score, right? No. There, there are revealing scores, but yeah. the only wrong score is no score. Yes. When you refuse to do it, that's really the only wrong score. That's the red flag. Because honestly, whatever your number is, it's better to know it than not know it. It's better to be self-aware than ignorant of your blind spots, right? For sure. So if that's not a plug for Hmm. taking a Thrive assessment, I don't know what it is. Let's go ahead and assume that there's Hmm. someone out there that says, you got me. I'm in. What do I do? As we wrap this Thrive series, just paint a picture of next steps for people who might be interested in taking that next step and thinking about exploring using a Thrive assessment for themselves and their leadership and potentially other leaders within their company. Where do they go from here, David?
1: Yeah. So there's a sample of the Thrive Assessment on our website. So you can go to our homepage, 1110leadership.com, and just simply take a sample of the Thrive Assessment and you'll get a taste of what that looks like. You can share with us your contact information by taking that assessment so that if you want to go deeper and actually take the full assessment and do a 360 version of it, which we would recommend, because it's, it's hard to understand exactly how all the elements of your culture and getting the feedback without having the feedback from your employees as well. So we're happy to walk with you along that front. If that is uh, something that interests you, very simple to do, we'd be happy to respond. And certainly, we're grateful for you listening through uh, these episodes of the Thrive series. And if there's any questions or any topics that we covered that you have questions about or you want to go deeper contact information on our our website is there so you can reach out to us and we'd be happy to continue that with you.
0: Well, this has been great. We covered a whole lot of ground in this series. Hopefully people are walking away after engaging this feeling encouraged, feeling hopeful, feeling like we have kind of gotten to the root of some of these issues, but also made it accessible and and practical. Thanks for going on this journey with me, David. It's been a fun ride.
1: Fun ride. Hope and everybody thrives so your people can thrive and ultimately our communities can thrive.
0: There we go. That's that mic drop right there. You just walk off stage left. Thanks, David. Thanks, Rob. To learn more about 1110 Leadership, visit our website at 1110leadership.com. That's the numerals 11, one, one, then spelled out T-E-N-Leadership.com. That's 11-T-E-N-Leadership.com. One, one, There, you'll find more resources to equip you on the journey of becoming an 1110 leader. You can also get connected to our growing leadership network. If you've enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. To help others find us, you can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.